Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, a show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP. CP, how are you doing today? I'm CP. What's going on? Thank you for introducing your name. <laughs> it was very unlikely that people would arrive at that conclusion on their own, but if you didn't, be sure to leave a comment and thank you know, CP. It is now the season of giving, so I thought it was important that I give something <laughs> to this podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate all the hard work you do, especially when you host the show by yourself. That really is a gift. <laughs> <laughs> of which I do have to, I have to throw this out there to start off our shout outs on this episode because Jazzy the Great ended up commenting or sending us a DM that she thought your episode was the best one yet and that apparently you're her favorite host. I was a little hurt by that because I get the messages, but here's the thing that message mysteriously got deleted. So. <laughs> I don't know if that's what she truly believes. And I'm going to take her at her deletions word and assume that she just misspoke. That- she must have. I mean, after <laughs> all, I believe she was the, uh, she sent you specifically a happy Thanksgiving and I received nothing. Here's the other thing. I do got to give her a huge shout out because she did also send us a screenshot, but we were the podcast she listened to the most in 2022. So thank you. Yay. All that right. Was amazing. And Thank that made for... me so happy. She did say, though, that we now owe her a sticker for her hydro flask. We got to get creative and figure out how to make that happen. But we can. Right. So you're pretty creative. <laughs> Apparently, I have been tasked by the FCP team here to create a sticker. So uh, we'll figure out what we can do there. Yeah. CP is very resourceful. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess I am too. If you guys are watching this and not listening, you probably see that I'm decked out in Notre Dame gear. This is all acquired for my trip to the Coliseum over Thanksgiving weekend. I wanted to rock it because they are my favorite team and I'm from South Bend. So, and you're also rep- like, I spent $800 on this gear. So, I want to make sure I wear it more than yeah. Got to rep South Bend, <laughs> got to rep Notre Dame for sure. Go Irish. I also do want to clarify, I did not go to Notre Dame. <laughs> so, I am not an alumni nor a current student just a fan (laughs) just a fan so there you go yes thank you speaking of south bend i do got to give a shout out to uh, ryan winesup who actually sent us a video for a youtuber who asked the question is die hard a christmas movie and then just proceeded to shoot off a bunch of guns so, <laughs> Weinzettel, I did watch that video. I don't know if it ever gave a definitive answer. I think he did say he thought it was and then proceeded to shoot like 50 VHS tapes with like an Uzi. <laughs> and after that, like an MP5 and a shotgun and everything that he had in his arsenal. It was a pretty entertaining video. I, Weinzettel, I do want to know from you because you did not clarify when you sent us this video whether or not you believe Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I think I was getting a little flippity floppity there last week, but it is a Christmas movie. That's my definitive opinion and CP feels very strongly about it. So Winesettle, we'd love to hear what you think. To any of our other listeners, that question from last episode is still extended because the Christmas season is going for at least a few more weeks. If that comes up, you know, even in the future, we'll definitely address it in the shout outs. And then finally, we got a comment from May Sparrow who actually asked you, CP, if you were donating your hair and where. I do not know where I'm donating it. I was going to donate it to Pantene, but I heard that apparently they have so much hair, they're not accepting it anymore. So if you got any suggestions, let me know. was originally going to do Locks of Love, but then I heard that they charge for wigs. Help me out. I need some guidance, folks. Little recommendations coming CP's way. Like I said, he's very resourceful. (laughs) Even if you throw out some crazy things, he could probably make it happen. On that note as well, big shout out to uh, Steph for CP because my wife saw the last episode and said that your hair looks great. Thank you, Steph, for having such good taste. Appreciate it. (laughs) 
All right. Well, do you have any shout outs on this episode? Yeah, I got to point out Alec Nadell here, who has been blowing up my phone and my DMs, trying to argue that Die Hard is, in fact, not a Christmas movie. Ooh, yet he has it. not been able to articulate it. what makes a Christmas movie. So you better come with your with all your guns here because uh, it is. Oh. And I proved it last episode. So well done. Well, unless you have more, that actually does it for our shout outs on this episode. We can go ahead and jump into our first topic. Which whoa, 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 this whoa, week... whoa, 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 whoa. Before we get into okay. it, I got to actually bring up something with you and our listeners that I find to be just heinous. This is probably the most horrifically disgusting shit I've ever seen on the internet. Wow. This is Do you know terrible. the concept of pilk? No, I've never heard of that. Okay. So check this out. What Viewers, is pilk? Be warned. This is disgusting. In a new Pepsi ad, they're promoting a thing called Dirty Soda. This ad hmm. features Santa on Christmas Eve pouring Pepsi into a glass of milk, oh. to which Lindsay Lohan comes down her stairs, Ooh. drinks the soda, and says, mm, that's a dirty soda. What is mm. more gross than milk and Pepsi? All right. First of all, have you tried it? <laughs> no, but I was thinking after this episode, you're probably going to make me. So I guess listeners you might be looking for a pill video. Air. Yeah, you might have to try some on air. But I mean, okay, first of all, I do agree, though, that, hey, we don't have to put anchovies in milk to know. <laughs> that, that, that just isn't going to work. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you're like, hey, I mean, I, I can see this one from a mile away and it's not going to be good. Well, I don't know if Pepsi and milk, but I will say this. Rum and eggnog go really well together. I don't know if that's related, but... <laughs> Oh, D-Man, that is not like... Okay, just think about this. First of all, let's get this out of the way. If you ever talk to me, you know I hate Pepsi. And I hate them even more after the Netflix series, Pepsi, Where's My Jet? But I feel like this is them trying to steal a little bit of, of the holidays from Coca-Cola, who has rightfully owned it for decades. Those uh, polar bears. But more importantly, I'm just like, why would you do something as heinous as mixing soda and milk? Like, I, well, here's what we're going to do. We're actually... You know what we're going to do? We're going to try this on air. If we end up liking liking it, I actually would hope Pepsi might sponsor an episode of this show. And if Pepsi sponsors an episode of this show, I will officially switch from Coke to Pepsi. I'm done. Not, not only should we do Pilk on air, but we should do a Pilk and Kilk challenge where we have Pepsi and Coke. milk and Coke and milk and see which is actually better. It's like the real Pepsi challenge. It's the Christmas Pepsi challenge. Hashtag Christmas Pepsi challenge. Let's make this happen. I don't know. I have, I have a very strong loyalty to Coke. I mean, I've worked for Coca-Cola. I have family <laughs> members who work for coca-cola and i love coca-cola so pepsi this really is a big challenge but i think we're up to it we're gonna have to try it all right pilk interesting definitely youtube that i feel like google will only give you words and that's not what we want <laughs> yeah definitely youtube pilk CP, jumping into our first topic this week, I'm going to throw it over to you because we ended up watching a bunch of new trailers that released for movies coming out, mostly in 2023. Pretty exciting. New trailers are always fun. If, you're, if you hang out on YouTube at all, you're going to see reaction videos to these trailers. And as we have discussed many times on this show, especially we did an episode a couple weeks ago for Wakanda Forever, we love these movies. So we're excited for them. We want to kind of give our take on, on what we thought from the trailers. So we're not going going to play them and talk along but i'll throw it over to you we have five trailers we want to discuss what are you Ooh. what are you thinking for these movies like are we just going to pick one movie at a time and go there yeah then i think we got to go with the elephant in the room which is indiana jones 5 oh okay i actually thought for a second that the elephant in the room was the title of the movie <laughs> <laughs> no not to my knowledge indiana Man. jones 5 and what is it called the dial of disaster dial of or destiny dial of destiny okay let's just get this out in the open because you know i'm gonna say it disney paramount why are you guys ruining everything I love. <laughs> 
I don't know why. I, I just, I, I don't see why this movie needs to be made. I really don't. I guess my first issue is watching the trailer. I was not captivated. I was not sold. It did not feel like an Indiana Jones movie. It felt like a wannabe Indiana Jones movie. And I was not a fan of that. First of all, we do we do have to acknowledge a couple things up front. So first is that George Lucas has no writing credit on this. He had a writing credit on all the previous four Indiana Jones films. And then all previous four Indiana Jones films were directed by the legend himself, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So Two varying degrees of success. I mean, I know I want to, I was going to invoke, you know, kind of the Holy Grail, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark, ironically. <laughs> yeah. But Indiana Jones in four movies directed by Spielberg was a bit up and down. Temple of Doom was deemed too dark in its time, you know, a little sick. crazy at certain parts. Although I think it actually did age pretty well. And then it goes back up with Indiana Jones. What is the, the last, third one? Last Crusade, much the more last in Crusade. the vein of, of Raiders itself. Yeah, and then you have Indiana Jones 4, which was another low point in which, ironically, Spielberg had said at the time that he was going to bust out his old bag of tricks, which was what everybody wanted. Practical stunts, practical effects. And instead, they went with super CG heavy effects. Total digital everything. They totally whiffed on, what's that kid's name? Muff. Mutt. (laughs) Yeah. Muff. Uh, yeah, Mutt. Uh, he did not pan out. What was it? Even Stevens? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf yeah. was supposed to be, is written as the son of Indiana Jones. And then spoiler, apparently sorry. aliens. Spoiler alert. Uh, and then, no, uh, interdimensional beings. Come on, man. Didn't you watch the movie? Come I on. mean, <laughs> I think what everybody remembers from Indiana Jones 4 is the famous nuclear bomb going off. Indy just like hiding in a fridge, getting thrown like five miles and living. And everyone was like, that just is ridiculous. That's besides the point. The point is here, they're making changes. As CP said, Indy is actually in his old age. I believe Harrison Ford is in his 80s, at least 70s, but I think he's in his 80s. He is old in the movie as Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, set he's against still the kind of rocking of the space race. Sorry, continue. But I think I get your point, though. At least with Indiana Jones 4 and the introduction of the character mutt there was a sense that this was going to be kind of a handoff film to maybe keep the franchise going we're going to introduce the new star of the kind of indiana jones or or whatever adventure series that was going to keep this spirit alive and here i don't get that vibe i'm wondering out loud right now is this movie being made because the reaction to four was so poor that they feel like indy needs a proper ending because i could get behind that if that was the uh narrative was that like hey this this is like one last ride. We want Indy and Harrison Ford to go out on top rather than end it with Indiana Jones 4. I think that's a noble motive or noble goal. I didn't get that from the trailer. And I mean, an 80-year-old Indiana Jones, it's a stretch to believe that he's going to be doing all this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reading something, I know Spielberg and Lucas brought up the fact that they're like, hey, if we're going to continue with the series, like obviously Harrison Ford is more than capable of taking on the physical demands of the role, but neither of them are in the project. Clearly, there's something that they were skeptical of. They are executive producers, I believe, or at least producers. Creatively, directly involved in the film. I mean, this is James. James Mangold is directing. I I don't know. I look at it and I mean, I know that this is the last film that John Williams says he's going to be scoring. So that makes it foreseen in its own right. But even again, watching the trailer, if you remember the initial trailer for four really did a great job. Like the movie's terrible, but the trailer invokes the sense of nostalgia and everything that we love about Indiana Jones. And you know, the the hat rolls by and and it plays the initial Indiana Jones theme as it's meant to be. And this is like a sad, slow version throughout the movie. I'm 
like, guys, if we're trying to capture this for one last ride, let's go all out. Sell me on this as Indiana Jones the last time I'm ever going to see. And I did not get that feeling from the trailer. So without the motive behind why this movie is here, kind of like you said, remove some of the uh, Indiana Jones nostalgia associated with it. I don't know that I would be all that excited for this movie based on that trailer. Now, granted, some trailers just let the iconography speak for itself. So in this case, I think there is a shot of the hat. There is the familiar theme. And of course, we do see Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones again. So maybe the they, whip. yeah, maybe they thought, you know, hey, this is more than enough to get fans excited and, you know, ready to come out to the theaters to see Indiana Jones. I'm just curious as far as sequels go to, you know, essentially old 80s movies. Are we going to get Top Gun with Indiana Jones? Because that would be pretty dope. Or are we going to get just another kind of sequel that it's like, yeah, I guess it's there if you want to watch it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's it's really going to be more in the vein of four. I will tell you this, though. I was very concerned when they said that it was about the Dial of Destiny. Because I was like, what the heck is this? I think part of the appeal of really Raiders and the Last Crusade is it's it's rooted in very historical mythological yeah, holy grail right yeah. right these these Ark things the that yeah are are like the the ultimate in terms of undiscovered treasures. I did find out that this supposedly the Dial of Destiny is based off of the the Wheel of Fortune, which is a Greek artifact like the Rota of Fortuna. So apparently it is rooted in something, which made me feel okay. better than at first I thought it was just some made up BS. I don't know personally. I'm not sold on this trailer, and I'm not sold on this movie. Unfortunately. I'm going to see it, but I can tell you now, I don't think I'm going to like it. Watching the trailer, I was in as an indie fan. I think we actually did a total rewind a while back on Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm a big fan. Harrison Ford coming back again is interesting. Like I said, he is a little bit older, so I'm curious. I saw they were going to be doing a little bit of digital de-aging, at least for parts of the movie. So yeah. I don't know if that'll be, you know how at the beginning he often goes on like a separate mission. It might be that. Or, because I think, what is it? He's on a boat at the beginning of Raiders and yeah. he's at the temple and then that's not even the main thing and then what is it temple of doom he's on that raft yeah, Last yeah, Crusade, yeah. he's young indie. Yeah, you know true. they always tend to do like a flashback version. So I'm curious as to whether or not the de aging will be that like first scene, or if they'll actually kind of be flashing back throughout the movie to kind of a de aged. They could run a parallel mystery to something with Indy's past, digitally de age him, and have a lot of the action take place in the past. Wanted to do oh, that's it kind that of way. an interesting idea. That's kind of an interesting idea. And then you run those parallel, and the mystery unfolds as you find out new things and the updated so i don't know i don't know how they'll do it that was interesting but i'm in i think it was exciting enough for me to uh definitely it got shared in one of my chats so i jumped in and was like hell yeah i want to see indiana jones 5 i don't think the trailer necessarily disappointed i just don't think it got me ultra hype that's that's my take so okay. all right next trade what do you think well since again we're gonna have to talk about it let's talk about it all right guardians of the galaxy volume three okay first of all there's a lot of baggage here because for all of our listeners that don't know guardians of the galaxy one when it was released was almost universally praised. A lot of people called it great Marvel MCU space adventure. It was very fun. Uh, it had themes of family and, and redemption and all this stuff. And CP hated it. <laughs> Hates it. I'll only speak for myself. I personally think part two or volume two was a step down. I don't think it was as good as the first one. And if you already hated the first one, I'm curious, what was your thoughts on the second? One? I, it's, I think it's rated as the absolute worst Marvel movie on my list. Really? I didn't think it was that bad. I enjoyed it. I just, all right. Do you love Peter Quill? Or, no, oh, I love okay. nothing. About <laughs> nothing. 
Well, that's where we're in starting. In fact, from. the worst part about Thor Love and Thunder was the Guardians. So there you go. I mean, yeah, we'll maybe talk about that another time. Okay, so Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. There were a few songs in the trailer that I was like, all right, cool. You know, Guardians is known for its soundtrack, which is great. Now, here's the question is I couldn't tell strictly from the trailer exactly what the plot was going to be. I do know, based on the Comic-Con panel from months ago, according to the man himself, this James is... Gunn? No, 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 no. Feige. This is supposed to be oh, Kevin Feige. film exploring Rocket Raccoon's origin story and background. So this is more getting into the root of who Rocket is. Now, I don't know how that will thematically apply to all of the Guardians, because obviously with Drax, Thanos is dead. So his kind of quest to kill Thanos in, you know, for, in redemption of his family's murder is that's done. I don't know if you saw, which I don't think you did at, based on last week's, but last week's episode, but the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Oh. Where yeah, no, I didn't watch it. Spoiler alert, Mantis is the daughter of Ego and apparently Peter Quill's sister. The unfinished threads are the search for Gamora. She does appear in the trailer, so we know that most likely plot thread will be resolved. Obviously, there was a, a bit of a, looked like kind of a space adventure. Are they going to introduce Adam Warlock? That's what it appeared to me. Yep, that's what it looks like in the trailer. And I think at the end of two, don't they hint that he's coming? Yeah, he was in a post credit scene, his cocoon. So yeah, yeah I guess they're going to pay that out. I actually was pretty excited after watching this trailer. As far as the MCU goes, this is a phase four film, so or phase five film, so I'm hoping that this will tie into the overall whatever MCU direction is. It seems like it's all building towards Kang Dynasty. I am hoping that there'll be some elements that will contribute to the overall MCU narrative. But from my understanding, unfortunately, I have also heard that this will be the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So I don't know yeah. if the Guardians themselves will be appearing in any future Avengers films or, you know, if their contracts are up, they're just, they might be done. We might actually see some of the Guardians die here, is my understanding. I think you're right, because I, I heard too that this is the last Guardians film. I would imagine some of the characters are going to stick around in some way. But I did also remember reading something about Dave Bautista being done after this too. So I would think the best candidate to kill off is going to be Drax. His arc's closed. Disney's kind yeah. of done with Dave Bautista, so he's probably going to get wasted. Yeah, I'm assuming there are characters that'll probably stick around. Maybe Nebula, maybe Mantis. Maybe Rocket doing voice work for Bradley Cooper might not be the worst thing. Plus, if they're going to explore his origin story, that might contribute to whatever his, his future character arc will be if the Guardians are in fact disbanded at the end of this movie. I think if you also know in the comics there are multiple variations of the guardians of the galaxy yep. it is possible that they could reassemble this team they've already reassembled the spider-men there might be the young avengers another avengers team who knows they're always building new teams there could be a variation again this was a trailer that as a fan of the mcu it got me pretty excited i like guardians of the galaxy and i thought they did a pretty good job i'd like to see peter quill's full arc be completed it, since it is a trilogy a couple movies for trilogies in the mcu have actually done a really good job, particularly Captain America taking him from the ultimate yes man soldier to at the end of Civil War. He is the safest hands are our own. He no longer trusts these entities. I thought mm -hmm. Thor's trilogy was fantastic. He literally goes from the petulant spoiled child at the beginning of Thor 1 to finally growing into and literally losing his eye, taking Odin's place on the throne. It was amazing in Thor Ragnarok. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see if they can close his 
his arc with a similar similarly epic fashion i think that would be pretty cool okay cool Very and cool. guardians of the galaxy is about family so i'm assuming that theme will run throughout i think it has to i mean that's what the first two films are discovering that they're a family quill working looking for his father yep so. yeah his mother passing was a huge event in his life that shaped who he was and then of course there's uh what's his name can't think of his name the Ravager. What's his face? He says he's Mary Poppins in the second one. No, he's like, he's daddy. Yeah, Why yeah, is yeah. his name alluding? I don't know when you're talking The blue about. guy with the yeah. whistle. Yeah, that yeah. guy. Anyway, yeah, that's also about family. So I assume that theme will run throughout. But I thought the trailer was pretty cool. I think it looks like there'll be good action. If you're a fan of the Guardians, it seems like it's going to at least live up to that. If you're like CP and you hate them, you'll probably hate it. Yeah, I saw that trailer and I thought I'd rather go to the dentist than watch that movie. Oh, there you go. I that's need my to, take on it. I actually need to go to the dentist. You should. <laughs> Healthy teeth. All right. you know, healthy uh I, I got nothing for it but do it trailer number three let's stick with the mcu here Ugh, okay. ant-man quantum mania oh this is another trailer that got me pretty excited. It actually had the first, I believe, the first reveal of at least one of the variants of Kang. Trailer did seem to imply that this movie will indeed be a big, big part of whatever the momentum is of the overall MCU narrative. So that got me very, very excited. For Ant-Man, Quantum Mania, or is it Ant-Man and Wasp Quantum Mania? I don't know. Got me pretty excited. For that one reason, that trailer probably has me the most excited yet. I have mixed feelings. So I really like the first Ant-Man. Movie. And I think part of it is I think Paul Rudd is a great Ant-Man. And I think the best parts of the trailer are the parts where Paul Rudd is being, you know, Ant-Man. I really hated the second one. I rank it down near the Guardians. I just found it boring. I thought Ghost was a terrible villain. They did not um, do Ghost justice. I do feel like somehow they got to redeem that character because they did at the end keep her alive, I believe. I mean, I don't know. I will probably see it, but this is the type of movie that I'm going to wait like four weeks and go see it at like a one o'clock show when no one's in the theater so I can sit there and go, oh my gosh, this is so stupid without listening to all the fanboys freak out because I don't really care to see it. It was it was very like so-so the trailer. One of the things that was also revealed in the trailer is that his daughter Cassie looks like she'll also be taking up a mantle similar yep. to Ant-Man, be joining the fight, which here's a weird fact. I didn't know this, but apparently they recast older Cassie from whoever the actress was in Endgame. It's a I different actress. I didn't realize that. And I don't know the reasoning behind it, which is that's oh. weird to me though. I don't know why. Yeah, that is kind of weird. She's just fine. She will be played by a new actress. But I have also heard rumors. There have been some, I think it was San Diego Comic-Con. There was like a leak or something that it is possible that Paul Rudd, his character, Scott Lang, could be killed off. Now, whether or not that's true, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying they're definitely laying the groundwork for the stakes of the film. That's in play, that he could be killed off. And they're introducing Cassie in an actual Ant-Man role where she may take up that mantle. And let's face it, the MCU for the last year, the last couple of years with phase four has been kind of about passing the torch, right? Yeah. So true. that may be happening here as well. I did see two major takeaways. The one, as you talk about, was Kang. And obviously Kevin Feige pointed out that this is going to be the film that really induces and sets things in motion going forward. That is a, a reason to see it. The other thing that I'm curious about is I think that the quantum realm is something that is so painfully underexplored through the first four phases of the MCU that I think it's kind of cool that I'm really hoping we get a lot more understanding and information about it because after watching two I was hoping that that the whole reason why we suffered through this movie was that the justification was in some way the quantum realm was going to have significance for defeating Thanos in Endgame and it never did it was it was totally really in no way pertained to the greater 
events of the MCU. And so for me, I felt like it was a wasted opportunity. I get what you're saying. Ultimately, it ends up being a somewhat throwaway, throwaway line by Scott Lang that he's like, hey, I think we use the quantum realm to time travel or create a time machine or whatever. And it ends up that has actually nothing to do with the actual plot of two. It's just yeah. a reference to yeah. the quantum, which yeah. we already knew about. Nothing that actually happened led to that the creation of the time device in a kind of ironic twist in Endgame, which was not my favorite. Tony Stark just literally like solves time travel like that. Yeah, that's you know, pretty much how it happens. Plot device wise, you're kind of like, wow, that was really convenient. <laughs> Yeah. You know, such as such as MCU life, you know, sometimes they just need these things to uh, work themselves out. I am excited too for uh, Jonathan Majors in the role of Kang. I think if you watch Loki, he was in, in very impressive as he who must not be named or something. That, that sounds like bald. Uh, <laughs> whatever the guy's name was in Loki. I don't know. I think he has a real chance to shine here because Kang himself needs to be incredibly menacing. And if I'm not going to lie, I'm assuming Marvel wants to lay the stakes to push the next villain to be maybe a little bit more uh, menacing or, or devastating in their effect than say Thanos who ended up being a great villain Bar's been set high and I'm very excited to see what he does with the character so he's another big reason that I'm excited for that movie and I hope he knocks it out of the park I think based on what I've seen already in Loki there is a good chance that this guy could be awesome next up okay this movie CP I don't even know how the movies like this get made but uh... This is a real movie, and I just saw the trailer for it. This should tell you all you need to know. It's called Cocaine Bear. And I'm so excited to see it, man. <laughs> Cocaine Bear. <laughs> the trailer is, it looks like this is like straight B-movie. It's like out of sci-fi. You would think that this is the next iteration out of Asylum from like Sharknado. A yeah, yeah, exactly. Like apparently this is based on true events. I don't know to the degree that any of this happened. Like, But basically there is someone smuggling drugs in an airplane that is going to get caught. So they throw the drugs from the airplane into <laughs> a Midwest forest where which a bear finds the cocaine and ingests it and turns into cocaine bear and goes on a rampage and just starts terrorizing this town, this forest, anybody yep. who basically comes in contact with this bear. <laughs> so... And then, of course, the trailer does hint that, you know, this bear is actually like likes cocaine. I don't know if it gets addicted or whatever, but <laughs> it looks like there's going to be some fairly gruesome murders. There's going to be a heck of a lot of B-movie action. How do you feel about a giant CGI bear? It doesn't look as bad as I would have thought. A couple years ago, the survival thriller film Crawl came out with uh, Barry Pepper. Okay. And it's about his house is attacked by alligators. The hurricane happens, right? So it's flooding and alligators are surrounding their house. Sounds terrible. Actually not a bad movie. But again, it's kind of the same thing. CGI animals are the antagonists and I thought it looked decent. There's a couple shots where the bear looks really bad in the trailer, but some of them doesn't look terrible. It did kind of give off. Obviously, it's a monster movie. Like those Sharknado or some of those like the giant squid and like different things. I mean, it, <laughs> it has that vibe. The it doesn't really seem to be pretending that it's not, right? It's, it's definitely not a movie that's like, hey, take Cocaine Bear seriously. Like, this is The Revenant with yeah, cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, it's not going to be The Revenant. This is going to be kind of exactly what you thought it was. And if it gives you any more justification for it, it's actually directed by Elizabeth Banks, who primarily only works in comedy. So I don't 
think that this movie is going to be taken too seriously. The trailer it is technically did. it looks like a comedy, honestly. It doesn't look like a horror film. No, sure. no, no. It um the other thing that that is interesting. This is actually Ray Liotta's last movie. His last. Oh my gosh! Imagine honor of- a legendary career like Ray Liotta, and your last movie is Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear. I don't know how to say it. Is it- <laughs> Wow, Ray Liotta, man, that's awesome. And he actually is the drug dealer, which also maybe fits. Fitting. Not, I'm not saying that Ray Liotta ever dealt drugs, but I am saying that he's associated with that because no, he's of Goodfellas. The, the bad guy, yeah. Yeah, the, the like Goodfellas, all that. Maybe that, you know, hopefully he knocks it out of the park. R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Yep. I don't know if there's anything much more to say about Cocaine Bear. No, I'm other definitely going to see it. It's happening. So <laughs> that might be one, you know, I don't know. I'd probably, I'd definitely check it out on streaming. Probably hit up my roommate, be like, let's get some Chinese food and watch Cocaine Bear. No, I'm going to see it opening night. <laughs> it's going to be so bad that it's good. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. And lastly, the last trailer, and this is a franchise that you love and I actually despise. Not a huge fan. And that is uh, Transformers. We have a new Transformers movie. Movie. I believe it's it's pulling on the plot. It was from something called Beast Mode, I believe. Beast Wars. Beast Wars, yeah. Which I'm not familiar with in Transformers lore, so I apologize, listeners. That's not something that digging into. I'm just giving my thoughts on the trailer as I saw it. And so, if Beast Wars was indeed an epic Transformers arc, there's a good chance that this might kick off another trilogy. These movies have made a ton of money. If Beast Wars is as cool as I'm hearing it is online, it's very possible that this could be better than I think first of all watching the trailer for this new transformers movie is it just me or like did the cgi not look amazing some of it looked not as good as we've seen from because i mean let's face it i think transformers cgi has always been knocked because as incredible as the transformers look usually it's michael bay's direction he has the camera way too close to them and it's moving a lot often very hard to like see the transformers in all of their glory except every once in a while like michael bay would deliver a nice hero shot but generally speaking like the understanding though was that these transformers the cgi was absolutely stunning that it was incredible and that it was actually most likely being held back by the cinematography in this case i don't know some of the transform they looked a little cartoonish to me it came off to me as like we're not even really going for realism anymore i think part of it is i think paramount has embraced kind of the MCU uh, position towards CGI, which is, hey, there's not eight foot tall, 12 foot tall green people. There's people flying around in metallic Iron Man suits. So either you like it or you don't, but we're not trying to convince you that this is real. This is supposed to be fun. Now, I, I do it is also question. an, un, it, it is a trailer. And so that there may still be work put in before the final. Hopefully. I hope so. so. I mean, it stood out to me as something that I was like, it doesn't even really look like they're trying anymore. They were just resigned. If you're into Transformers, like this is what they look like, but it wasn't like, hey, in this whatever it is seventh iteration of transformers we're trying to take the effects even further and look make it look more real than it ever has it looks like it went the other way i did want to ask you because i did not see the bumblebee is this within the same timeline as that movie could you tell yeah it looks like because so the bumblebee movie takes place in the 80s and this looks like it's being set up for an early mid 90s story so it isn't more of a continuation of that than it is the earlier transformers with shia labeouf yeah which I think that play with the Bumblebee one was to sort of reboot the franchise. And so I was wondering where they were going to take it. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, there's a lot of characters that are in this film who were not introduced in Bumblebee. I guess we'll see what happens in the storyline there, but I'm excited about that. I actually saw this trailer and was super pumped because I do love Transformers movies. The first one was everything I wanted as an eight-year-old and I got it on the big screen. Most of the other ones were 
you know, less than <laughs> lots to be desired. However, I freaking love the Bumblebee movie. John Cena and Haley Seifeld is in it. And I think it's a really good, if you like 80s culture, if you like Transformers, it's just a good fun movie. For me, you know, watching this trailer, not having seen Bumblebee, I just wasn't invested at all in the continuation of the story. So that one was pro it's probably a pass for me, unless you were like, hey, D-Man, you want to go to the midnight show with me? And I'm like, fine, I'll watch Bumblebee and like, I'll go. <laughs> my, my only gripe was I, I didn't really get the remix, the, the Biggie song in the trailer. It felt really weird. I don't know. A lot of trailers. They were like recutting Juicy and I was like, uh, not what I would have done for this movie guys not not working occasionally they do it right i believe there was a movie by i think it was jordan peele us they like remixed i think it was like put five on it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but i thought that actually was amazing like no, they it, turned it into like a really creepy take on on that and i was like wow that worked incredibly well and i feel like sometimes now trailers try to do something like that but you're like i don't really get it so that was kind of a miss that i had in the trailer i mean as i said it's transformer so i'm already intrigued i mean i've spend enough money going to see totally crappy you know like transformers 3 i'm more than willing to give this one a shot all right there you go well listeners we'll throw it to you guys which trailers have you seen which movies do you want to see if there's any trailers that we didn't get to today let us know if there's anything you're curious as to whether or not we would check it out because this is our show i mean if you guys want to hear what we think on these movies we can definitely go see them and then talk about because we have a <laughs> podcast so <laughs> now getting into a little bit of the uh, Christmas theme stuff since we're in that the holiday season. I did want to ask you, CP, do you do you have any Christmas movie traditions? Like, do you kick off the holiday season watching the same movie every year? Do you watch a certain movie on Christmas Eve? You know, what do you what do you have going on? I always watch the Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. So do I. I that's love a, that. That's an Air Five, if you could. Yes. Tell. Bam. Love um, it. Good job. I, that's kind of my my tradition. Everything else is sort of up for grabs. Obviously, there's there's a slew of six or seven movies. Movies, I think that I make sure I watch every year at uh, more than that, probably 12 movies I watch every year. Always try and leave some space for the new ones, but that's kind of it. Always watch the Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. And I actually don't watch It's a Wonderful Life before Christmas. I actually watch it on New Year's Eve day. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's interesting. I yeah, feel I it's a good movie about rebirth. The last few years I've had a Christmas story on on Christmas day, but the movie I want to talk about today, we're going to do a total rewind is normally the movie that I kick off the holiday season with. And it's one of my all-time favorite Christmas classics. And that is Christmas Vacation. Today, we're going to do a little total rewind. We're going to take a look at a movie 30 years and older and see if it still holds up. And that movie is Chevy Chase, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. To kick it off, I'm curious to hear from you. Is this a Christmas classic for you as well? Oh yeah, it absolutely is. I watch it every year. I was actually psyched, I think, oh wow, right before the pandemic, three years ago, I actually got to see it in the theater no for way. the 30 year anniversary of the film. That's Our, amazing. Uh, it was a lot of fun, dude. To me, the movie is one of the funniest Christmas classics. Like there, and usually Christmas movies tend to have a comedy element to them. Occasionally, like you said, you get It's Wonderful Life or Miracle on 34th Street or whatever, and you get, you know, a little bit more serious vibe with the Christmas movies, but a lot of them happen to be comedies. Elf, Home Alone, Santa Claus, Christmas Vacation, yeah. even to the extent that A Christmas Story is a comedy, right? Yeah. Definitely makes you laugh. This is one of the funniest 
to me. I think there are so many hilarious moments. It just constantly makes me chuckle. There's certain scenes in other movies that make me laugh out loud, like particularly Home Alone. There's a few lines in Home Alone that just always get me when he's like, you know, his mom's like, get upstairs. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. He's like, I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And you know, that's like (laughs) such a little kid thing. I think, I don't know why there's a scene in Elf where Buddy the Elf is like sleeping in like a window, like a store window display. Store window, yeah. And his dad like walks by and like sees him and then he wakes up and he's like, dad. And he's like waving and then his dad's like, he just walks away. That always has me busting up. (laughs) Christmas Vacation definitely has its moments as well. But more than that, I feel like there's just subtle lines, subtle things that they do, gags throughout that just have me chuckling the whole time. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies because I think it goes through the whole series of like what the holiday season is about. It starts off with them going to get their tree and setting up their tree. And then he wants to throw the big family Christmas and then all the relatives show up. There's that great line where he's like, I'm going to go wait outside by the trash cans until a second, you know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't want to be here anymore. And they like just walked in it to me. It just goes through the whole holiday season and it always gets me in the mood for the holidays. So of course this is a movie that I ended up watching. Technically I was up late. So it was on the Friday after Thanksgiving, but it was Thursday night. Fair enough. And totally kicked it off with a Christmas vacation. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, do you know the origin of Christmas vacation? That originally, this was supposed to be directed by Chris Columbus. I believe that I'd heard that. So what's the what's the background of this of this whole? uh... Apparently, it came out, I guess, right around the same time that Home Alone came out. I think maybe the year before. This is 89. Yeah. And Home Alone was 1990. What ended up happening was Christopher Columbus was supposed to direct this movie, but he ended up having tension or a falling out with Chevy Chase. They ended up separating. Columbus went on to direct Home Alone and Chevy Chase still starred in this movie. And ironically, like it all worked out. We got two absolute Christmas classics in back-to-back years. And let's face it, we don't actually get Christmas classics every single year. It's tough to come by one where you're like, I'm going to watch that every year going forward, share it with my kids. Like that is a Christmas movie. No, you're right. Christmas movie comes out, but it's not a guaranteed classic. No, yeah, it really it's pretty is. good. Okay. And occasionally you get it. Elf, I think, was one of the more recent ones where it just, it hit theaters. Everybody was like, it's hilarious. And you're like, of course, that's going to be a classic. It's just yeah. awesome. Yeah, interesting. Chevy Chase is notoriously, you know, he's he's been labeled as difficult to work with. Stretches from, you know, his days all the way back on SNL, obviously Christmas Vacation. Not every project he's work on, worked on, but even Community tended to ruffle feathers, you know, a lot of the places that he went. I don't know why that is. I've never worked with the guy. That's not to say that we didn't get a classic. We did. And and he's truly hilarious as Clark Griswold. What are your kind of standout moments in Christmas Vacation? Again, I think what makes Christmas Vacation work so well, it's a series of vignettes about what makes a holiday work. If we kind of look back on the original Vacation movie, which this is a sequel to, the third sequel. Yeah. This is a story about a guy who's trying, who always wants everything to be perfect for his kids and his family. And so naturally, what better time to make a character dedicated to delivering the perfect end result than set him at the holidays where everything's chaos with all of your extended family. Great recipe for comedic disaster. The other thing is, I mean, obviously we didn't mention it, but it is written and produced by John Hughes. If you've listened to this show, you know, Dustin and I, you know, think the world of him and he does what he does so well in all of his 
great movies, which is he makes relatable characters and incidents. The time's over the top and funny, but everyone has been there at a moment where you cut open a turkey and it's too dry. Yep. Everyone has gone through the hassle of setting up a Christmas tree or finding those old halogen lights burned out and then having to go through the strand to replace the right one. And that's the stuff that Hughes does that's so perfect. And you watch that and you're like, yeah, been there done that <laughs> i love my favorite scene i think is when he's he's trying to get the, the christmas lights to go that whole segment of him like going up on the roof and he nails his, or he uh staples his arm to the gutter oh yeah, yeah all yeah. that is like that's like my favorite scene but i don't know why this one quote just always gets me when he he plugs in the lights and it's not working and he's like i don't you know why isn't it working his father-in-law like makes a comment his daughter's like he worked really hard grandpa and he's like so do washing machines and i'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that is such a comment that like like, would totally be made by some old guy like yeah. what the hell and then yeah like you said he's like russ we checked all the bulbs right and russ <laughs> is like yeah yeah you know i think his dad even is like he's like you know i can see it now son it's excellent he's <laughs> like if you need me if you need me help i'll be upstairs asleep <laughs> yeah right oh man i love the shot when it finally comes on and then all the rest of chicago just blacks out and you see the guy yeah. at the power plant flip the switch i'm like oh my gosh that's so funny the movie itself just like you said there's just so many little moments moments that stand out to me is like we've all had that happen where like they pull the lights out of the box and he hands the big ball of balled up <laughs> Christmas lights to Russ. And seriously this happens to me every year. I think when I took the lights down I spun them correctly and then I put them in the bag and then sure as shit when I go get my stuff <laughs> and pull it out it's always jumbled and I'm like what the hell and then it's like 50-50 if the strand even works you gotta test yep. it before you even put it on because who knows when you took it off it worked fine yep. whatever you put it in a bag and no one touched it for 12 months and then <laughs> you go to turn it on and it doesn't work and yep. you're like what the hell and yep. so i feel like yeah christmas vacation is just full of those those type of moments and like you said some of them are, are incredibly outlandish he brings in a new christmas tree and there's a squirrel in there. i don't know how many people that's actually happened to probably a couple not many yeah. I, I feel like yeah. honestly sorry wine zettle but i feel like that's like a wine zettle story <laughs> he would go chop down his own tree and be like yeah i got my own tree like right from the forest and then there's like a squirrel in it that's so funny. wine zettle if that's ever happened to you let me know i think the movie just has a lot of heart which is to say, like you mentioned earlier, Clark Griswold wants to do something special for his family. He wants to give them that special old fashioned Christmas that he had when he was a kid. And that's how I think we all view Christmas because it comes around once a year and it's a holiday about traditions and passing things down. It's one of those very special things that we all kind of share as a culture. Yeah. You know, even if you're not Christian or you don't celebrate Christmas, you're going to go out, you're going to go to the store, even if you're going to go to the restaurant there's going to be stuff up one of those things we all share and i think clark is doing his best to you know leave his kids with those memories but yeah i think what's so special about clark what is true in our lives is that often the things that we remember the most are when things went wrong you know right. we remember the effort that dad made but what's really hilarious is when you're like oh my god remember when the dog trashed the house chasing the squirrel. You know, remember when this happened? It's usually those are the things that stand out in our memories. And so in Clark's kind of quest to create the perfect Christmas, he ended up creating one that nobody will ever forget. Not even us. It's a memorable story that we watch every year. And yeah. so I think that shines through in that, you know, of course, at the end, 
there's the outlandish Eddie story where he goes and steals his boss and the cops break into the house and, and everybody's celebrating. <laughs> At the end of the day, I think really it there's a scene with his dad where he his dad comes in after Clark like flips out. Um, you know, he goes yeah. on that great rant when he gets the jelly of the club. Yeah, uh, yeah. membership or jelly yeah. uh jelly, of jelly the club, club of the month. membership yeah he gets the membership instead of his bonus check and he flips out and goes on that absolutely epic rant which i wish i could say for you all and i've memorized but i haven't but it's amazing and his dad comes in and he he basically tells him that you know he's like dad how did you like get through it and he's like you know you do the best you can and i had a little bit of help from jack daniels <laughs> but at the end of the day like what everybody will remember is the effort that you put in to try to make it special that's where i think the heart of the movie comes from is that yeah. often that's what happens in our own lives we try hard but <laughs> rarely is it ever picture perfect. So, and you're always like, oh my gosh, there's just so many good one, one-liners in the movie. Like I love when they're at the table and he's like, hey kids, I heard on the radio that Santa's flying over whatever, Cincinnati. And then they just cut to Cousin Eddie and he's like, are you serious, Clark? <laughs> gosh, Eddie's so amazing. And that's the other thing. I mean, there's characters who are so memorable. Cousin Definitely. Eddie. Even his boss. His boss yeah, is His memorable. boss. Who's the uncle who's always smoking the cigar? Yeah, the, the old guy, Uncle Jerry, I think. Uncle Owen or something. But he's always, and he's always got like a crude remark, just like an yeah. old man would. Like a crotchety old guy. Just like, ah, I'll probably die. So <laughs> who cares? You know, it's hilarious too. Like, you know, that is true. I don't know how many old people listen to this show, but if you're, you know, 80 plus, let us know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I feel like when people get to a certain age, they just, they're like, I don't care. Like, I'll, who cares? I'm going to say what I think. And I don't know. Old people just have that ability to just get away with it. And everybody kind of like just eh, let him do his <laughs> thing. Now, let me ask you something else. This is a different kind of look at the movie. Is there anything in Christmas Vacation that you think doesn't work? Yes. Okay. That scene, the sledding scene. Like it's too outlandish? It's too stupid. I mean, the rest of it is all like at the point where like it really teeters on like the 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 verge of realistic, but still fantastic like hughes takes everything and puts it slightly over the top right like he goes to the to the store to buy you know uh christmas gifts everybody can relate and he ends up finding this incredibly attractive woman who's flirting with him at, right or yeah. he he buys a tree there's a squirrel in it or they go to cut down the tree and he ends up under the 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 log carrying semi truck like right everything is like relatable thing Hughes tips it based on, you know, Clark being Clark ends up in these situations. And that's the only thing that I watch. And I'm like, eh, I'm not buying it. It's, it's so ridiculous. Um, okay. That's the one scene that I really hate. How about you? I do like Eddie. I think Eddie is the one who actually steals that scene. Like, obviously I know it. Where he talks about the government plastic in his head. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, the, you know, the, if this side, you know, if I hit this side, I'm, totally fine but this side clark my hair will just never be right you know like something stupid like that you know i know they're going for kind of a cartoonish effect because clearly like they show the the down the hill slope like clearly clark is going way further than the actual slope but I'm trying to think if there's anything that really stands out to me as like doesn't work because i think most of it does um, like I said, I felt, I always felt the ending was like a little outlandish where like the cops, like, you know, crash in through windows, and like all this stuff. I was like, eh, but it kind of works. I don't know. 
I think that kind of works. Uh, there's a scene in the middle when Clark gets trapped in the attic. Oh yeah, and it's and it's totally funny. I mean, I love it how like he he doesn't stand on the beam, so he falls right through the through the yeah. ceiling onto the of bunk course. bed. I literally that's a scene where like he was walking, and I was like, you always walk on the beams. Like, what the hell is he? Thinking? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, but that's typical Clark Griswold. My only issue is they have that really long like flashback scene of like the old family home movies that he watches. Which yeah. I know is to tap into that that sense of nostalgia that he's trying to to revisit for his kids, but I think it kind of it goes a a little too long. Do you like the neighbors? I mean, it's a good contrast for who the Griswolds are, right? They're like clean. They're not into the holidays. They don't even have a tree. And I mean, come on, if you live yeah, next they to make a Clark Griswold, it, right? your life would be a nightmare too. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. I kind of thought it was the neighbors were one of the elements where I feel like they get they're kind of snooty. You know, they have this vibe, but I also kind of felt like they don't necessarily get what they deserve. Like they're kind of terrorized by Clark in a weird way. I mean, in a comedic way, but, you know, that would kind of suck, I think, to have a neighbor like that where, you know, they're constantly causing you problems. And they don't I don't think they make the neighbors really mean enough. They're just kind of snooty, you know, just enough that you're like, we don't like them. But if I'm being honest, like, I don't think they deserve everything that they got. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that happened to them. Like, I don't know that they made them kind of evil enough. They just kind of like slicked that guy's hair back and had him turn his nose up at Clark. And I was like, ah, but the comedic gags are funny. I mean, the lights turning on, um, you know, the ice goes through the window and breaks their piano or their keyboard or whatever yeah 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 um the squirrel attacks her after you know she comes and knocks on the door and all that stuff so you know i don't know it works but that was always a little thing that just kind of bothered me where i was like i don't know they treat them so poorly and we're just supposed to laugh at it but i was like i don't think they deserve it no that's fair i kind of agree are there any jokes that you think don't land i mean you're you're kind of talking about it now in terms of the you know, elements of the story that don't work. But do you think that there's any major misses from a comedy perspective? I don't. I mean, obviously there's some jokes that are a little bit of their time. Some of the corporate stuff is a little bit of its time. I don't know that people (laughs) fully are in that type of career necessarily anymore. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything that just doesn't land. I think most of it does. And there's not anything that stood out to me having rewatched it where I was like, ooh, that might have been funny at the time, but didn't age well. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you can think of? No. And I mean, again, I think that that's one of the real strengths of Hughes. When he writes his comedy, it's very much in a timeless kind of it's it's either character driven or it is, you know, kind of event related, right? Situationally event related. So because of that, it's not he's not really referencing 80s culture or, you know, uh, you know, yeah, the Anything movie like does that. have somewhat of a timeless, doesn't, you know, he does go to the mall at one point. He has that hilarious scene with euphemisms when he's talking to the yeah. uh, lingerie girl, you know, <laughs> you know, log. Not not that I <laughs> said I have a log or not yeah. that you said you think I have one. Yeah. You know, that whole scene, which maybe dates it a little bit. Uh, but generally speaking, they tend to include a quality where... They're definitely, they're watching older movies. If you actually look at like the shots of the house, like when Clark's on the roof at night, putting the lights up, it has a very kind of storybook feel to the the look of it. Yeah. That clearly doesn't look like that's exactly how it was shot. You know, some of the police uniforms maybe date the cops. 
But generally, yeah, it felt like they went for kind of a real timeless quality, which I think they achieved. I think the movie still plays, you know, just it has that same heart. It plays just as well today as it probably did back then. So last thing I'm going to bring up that I noticed about the movie, and this is something you usually bring up when we talk about films, the theme. Oh, I love the theme. And it's totally the type of thing that you hear on the radio. It is timeless. Yep. And I think that that's actually one of the rare things that this achieved in a Christmas movie that we don't really associate with Christmas movies. Yeah, I think it uses music very well uh, throughout the film. Obviously, there is the actual theme that kind of plays occasionally, but they use Christmas classics like most movies do. Uh-huh. And they even have a couple that that pop up. Like I always remember they do a shot when I think it's when he goes to the mall and he's in town and there's some guys like outside with the bell and they're like, hey, Santa Claus, hey, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, yeah, Santa yeah. Claus. And I'm like, I don't know where else I've ever heard that, but it kind of the jingle works. So I thought I thought it, it works pretty well. There's nothing that, again, stood out that really dated it for me music wise where, you know, it make you're like, this is an 80s. I thought it, I thought it worked pretty well. And I love that theme, you know, uh, the intro wow. where I it's know like the cartoon <laughs> Santa. Yeah, it's amazing. So my final question to you while we're talking about the vacation series is where would you rank Christmas vacation among the four vacation films? So there's vacation, European vacation, Christmas vacation and Vegas, Vegas vacation. vacation. So we're not counting the remake of Vacation. No. Uh, I would still, I would rank this as my favorite. Yeah, I would put this at number one. Uh, vacation, the first one at number two, which is a classic in its own right. Like, see, there's there's some things in, in that movie that do, age, like some of the jokes age a certain way. Where I was, I like, I, I just watched it, I think like a year ago. And, and there were yeah, some Yeah, it was like, to do a movie remake title on this show. Yeah. I was going to say, I just, I watched it. And there were some things that dated that movie. Like they do a joke where like he leaves a dog tied to the car. I don't know that that joke would go over the same way today. You know, I think people would be more upset. People would literally call for that guy to go to jail. And instead, yeah. he, you know, it's just a joke. And then they just drive off. Uh, you know, the grandma dies. and <laughs> They just like, throw her on the roof. Yeah. The kids are like smoking weed and he's like, you know, doing some of that. They're doing some of that type stuff. I don't know that that one definitely has some jokes that I'm like, they were probably a little bit more of their time where I think Christmas vacation is a little timeless. Okay. And then I would probably go Vegas vacation uh, just because I thought it was fun. And then European European and, and Vegas could probably swap. I don't, they're both the lesser of the four. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think my ranking is exactly identical to yours. So, I mean, I don't know that that's controversial. <laughs> That's probably how most people feel. I mean, I definitely watch <laughs> Christmas Vacation more than any of the other ones. Yeah, I actually got introduced to this movie and all of the vacation movies. Big shout out to, uh, you know, David Kayser. Oh, really? Yeah, he showed me these movies when we were uh, on vacation in North Carolina. No way. That's funny, so, dude. And I actually, I don't know if you know, too, this is the only one, I think, and they just did a commercial with the song, but this is the only one of the four vacation movies that doesn't play Holiday Road. You're right. It doesn't. The other ones all do. The other ones all do. They do have a scene that is evocative of when he's on the road and he sees the hot girl in Lamborghini or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When he's, it's they're playing uh, the Christmas one. It sounds like it's in Hawaii. The Hawaiian Christmas from Bing yeah. Crosby. Yeah. Yeah. So and they play that song. The yeah. Yeah. I love. I love that scene too. When it, like it's clearly a vision in his head, and then like the uh, the swimsuit hits the window. Yeah. 
so that funny, is hilarious. Dude. Yeah, he like literally like jumps, and you're like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think this was the only one that doesn't play that song, which is actually kind of the overarching theme song for the Vacation series. This one's also the most segmented as a story, right? The other ones have more of a. It's about a journey, right, in a vacation. This one is, you know, they use the the countdown to Christmas calendar as their kind of breaking down the story and it's really just a bunch yeah, the of, sort advent of unrelated right? yeah unrelated events yeah like you said it's kind of a series of vignettes but yeah love cousin eddie i thought it was great to bring him back i mean i think like you said there's just there's so many memorable characters and funny gags and and things that happen in the movie that make it an instant classic for me and it's it's the movie that i love to cr- uh kick off the christmas season so cool does does christmas vacation hold up yeah, I think that it does. I mean, the fact that, you know, uh, there are lines from this movie that people still quote today in regards to uh, the holidays, you know? Yeah, me too. I think it absolutely holds up. It's an instant Christmas classic, and I'll be playing it every year uh, as we go forward. CP, that does it for our episode this week. I wanted to say thank you uh, so much to all of our listeners and everybody that tuned in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you're having a great holiday season. For us, you guys would love to comment or leave us some feedback. We always appreciate that. We love hearing from you guys. You can find us at filmmakerscompass.com where we have all the episodes and all of our social media accounts. You can follow me at BigKidDman. And you can follow me at NDCal5. Thanks for checking out this week's episode. Keep watching movies and we'll see you back here next week.